0: it is always interesting to come back outside right we have to sort of remember oh yeah that's where we park and i forgot to bring my chairs and and all of that it's always interesting for me because a a couple things really change when i'm up here number one is i can't hear you at all so when when you are if you're praying the lord's prayer with me i have no idea there's just not doesn't get in here what I do hear a lot outside is myself because the, it echoes, it echoes off the church. And so it's always weird for the first couple of weeks trying to figure out, is, is that me? Is that what, what is going on? And so a little, <laughs> little kind of fun, uh, but it's enjoyable. This is one of those things that uh, COVID sort of forced us to do. And now we're doing it because we found we liked it. It's one of the good things came out of COVID. So uh, it's great to have everybody here. Great to be outside. We are talking about the Celts this summer. This is our summer of Celts, talking about the Celtic faith. The, the, the Celts were people all across Europe that were eventually sort of pushed and isolated into what's now Scotland, Ireland, Wales, sort of that area. Okay, and, uh, and they, were, they were people that really dominated Europe. They were really a thorn in the side for the Roman Empire for a long time. But eventually, they sort of either died out or got consumed by other countries, and then they were just sort of in Scotland, Ireland, or Wales. What's so fascinating about the Celts is <clears throat> that when, when they became Christian, thanks to missionaries like St. Patrick, who was a real dude, and went and actually did do missions work there, but, but a number of other missionaries too, what was so fascinating was that when they became Christian, they became authentically Celtic Christians. So they didn't lose their traditions, they didn't lose their history, they didn't lose what made them Celtic. What happened was uh, Patrick and others came in and basically taught them the stuff like the Trinity and kind of corrected what was their, Celtic, uh, their own Celtic beliefs. And so, so it became a Christianity that looked very, very Celtic. That's interesting for us because Scotland and Ireland is where Presbyterians come from, and so this is part of our heritage and it's part of our tradition, even though we've largely lost it. And I think we've lost something because we've lost our history. Okay, because the the Celts understood experiencing God the way the Reformers didn't always. The Reformers and the and the, and the The Enlightenment was very much about understanding God, but that's not the same always as experiencing God. So I think the Celts have a lot to teach us. Last year, we explored the idea, just a little bit, of thin spaces, thin places. In other words, the Celts had this belief that that in this world, the, the Celts believed before they were Christian that there were many gods and there were many spirits and that they lived in the same space as us but just separated. There was sort of a wall or a veil between the things of the spirit world and the things of the natural world. And they believed that there were certain places where the gap between the spiritual world and the physical world was like thinner. Not like weaker per se, it was just smaller. So you could go to some of these places and you could experience the divine, you could experience the spiritual world easier because it was like right there. Now, that may sound weird to us, except how many of you have been to places where you were instantly re- kind of caught up in something significant, right? Whether that be a historical place or a special church or gone to the Holy Land or gone to a, 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 a chapel somewhere or you go to camp like you used to when you were a child and you remember so many good things about that. It's like there are these places where it's a little easier to get close to God, and so what the Celts did was they, they, they got rid of all their idea of all these multiple gods. And so they sort of really believed in the Trinity, sort of really believed in Jesus. But what they kept was this idea of thin spaces. That there were some spaces where it was easier, where it seemed like God was closer. Some of them were physical locations. They had, they had ancient monastic sites, sort of monasteries, churches, holy wells, sacred groves. They also had uh, this idea that there were these moments in life, like the birth of a child or a grandchild or a great-great-grandchild, right? There are these sort of special moments where where it's like, whereas sometimes God seems so far off, there are these moments where God is like right there. And you can kind of sense and feel God being there. Uh, A lot of times it was in nature, but it could be in worship. It could be acts of love and compassion, But the Celts took seriously this idea that there were these special places still and they would pilgrimage. The idea was you go there. You go there every so often. You take a trip to go to that special place so that you can connect with God in a special way. And I, I love this concept because I, I think we've all sort of experienced it. But but today I want to sort of wrestle with uh, what are the limits of that? How do we understand that? Because the Celts really did make a lot of sense out of that but but it's easy when we talk about this to make it sound like there are special places where god is and there are places where god isn't and it's easy to say that oh we we get too close to the idea of worshiping nature if we're not careful and so i, w- I want to talk about how we wrestle with that uh, pastor and author a w tozer once told of a priest canon holmes was his name who was a missionary to India, and he used to see Hindu worshipers who worshipped all kinds of gods, and they would go up and tap trees, and they would go up and tap rocks, and they would whisper, Are you in there? So they were looking for certain gods, and they were trying to say, Hey, are you in this tree? Are you in this rock? To begin, we got to learn that... that God is everywhere. Two attributes of God. we got to get, get in our head as we start this. One is that God is omnipresent. That's the idea that God is everywhere. God is everywhere. God is not just located in one place, but God is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He's not in a single space. Actually, if you, if you really understand your theology, God existed before this world was here. Which means god is not contained in this world at all he is so other he made the world he is separate from the world and so is god everywhere yes but is god in this tree or this new bush we just planted not particularly he is everywhere the other idea is the imminence of god that god is imminent that god is close that God does in some way indwell his creation. He is with us. He chooses to be with us. And so there's nowhere that you can go to get away from God. He's always with you. Here's how A.W. Tozer talked about those people, those Hindus that would knock and say, are you there? let Let me read the quote. In complete humility, the instructed Christian brings the answer to that question. God is indeed there. He's there and he is here and everywhere. Not confined to tree or stone, but free in the universe. Near to everything, next to everyone, and through Jesus Christ, immediately accessible for every loving heart. The doctrine of a divine omnipresence, being everywhere, decides this forever. This truth is to the convinced Christian a source of deep comfort in sorrow and steadfast assurance in all the varied experiences of his life in other words my words god is everywhere and god is always close he is always with you take comfort in that god is always with you but also he's not contained in you he's not contained in the tree he's not contained in a beautiful sunset god is all places so how do we get a proper understanding of creation Well, the Bible gives a couple of interesting perspectives. Part of what the Bible says is that something of the glory of God is reflected in the world. This should make sense to us because all creation reflects something of its creator. Okay, How often do you see that kids look like their parents and they act like their parents? Because what you create, all, all art is autobiographical. Okay, in some ways, the singer portrays his emotions or her emotions in the art form. The artist who paints, paints their perspective, their understanding of colors, their understanding of how it composes and fit together. All art all is expressive of what the creator of the art has and says and thinks. So it is with God. Something of God is shown in his creation. Here's how Psalm 8 puts it. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who have displayed your splendor above the heavens? When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. The psalmist is saying, hey, everywhere I look, I see your name. Everywhere I look, I see your glory. But the Bible says even more than that. Nature doesn't just reflect God's glory. Creation actually gives testimony to who God is. Psalm 19 says this, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, night to night reveals knowledge. So here the psalmist is saying, hey, every day the world is telling you about God. Every night, the world is expressing knowledge about who God is. In fact, Paul thinks about this so strongly that in Romans 1.20, he says this. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they were, are without excuse. Here's what Paul is saying. You can co- so clearly see God in the world that even if you've never heard of Jesus, you're accountable to the knowledge of who God is because God is so clear in creation. The Celts developed their own way of talking about this. Nature was a church. They talked about nature as like a chapel, it was a sanctuary. And so nature invites you to worship just the way a beautiful chapel does. It invites you into the space. It invites you into the presence of God. Or here's the other way they used to talk about this. And I love this. And I think this really helps me understand why I love nature, but why I don't worship it. Okay, The Celts talked about nature as a choir. Nature is a choir. And what nature is doing is it's singing the praises of God. And it's inviting you to sing along. Now that may sound weird to you, but let me give you some scriptures, because this is all over the place in the Bible. Psalm 96, 11 and 12. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is within it. Let the fields be jubilant, everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Psalm 98. Let the sea resound and everything in it, in the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. The mountains sing together for joy. Isaiah 55. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Even Jesus, when he is confronted about the crowds praising him, what does he say? Hey, if these crowds stopped, the rocks would sink. The rocks would join in the chorus. See, I think this is a great perspective on nature and on thin spaces. They aren't God. They don't contain God. God is everywhere,
1: and so He isn't there.
0: But what they do is they invite us. Nature is singing. This beautiful day that we're in right now is singing praises to God who made it. Okay, these beautiful trees, the flowers that you'll pass on the way home are singing God's praises. And so we don't worship them, everybody. We don't worship the sunset, and we don't worship the trees, and we don't think God is contained in them. But what they are is they are calling us to worship. They're calling us to, to, to live in the sanctuary, and to join in the choir, and to live our lives such that it praises God. Nature is inviting you to worship. And, and, and they point to another key understanding. Sin spaces are so important the ability to recognize when you're in a space where God can feel closer to you because man is this a thick world man is this world so thick feels like God is so far away there are lots of things The, the world is too loud it's too busy it's too self centered it's too sinful too shameful too prideful all these things make it hard for us every day to experience God and Not only is the world thick, but we're thick. (laughs) We're thick-headed. We're thick-hearted. And there's lots of stuff in our own lives that get get in the way of us experiencing and encountering God. We have poor thinking and layers of shame and regret and ambition and arrogance. We get too busy, or we don't expect God to show up in our lives. We're thick We need thin spaces because thin spaces help teach us how to get out of our way and experience God. This is a thick world and thick lives. We need thin spaces to help us. We need nature. We need friends. We need special occasions to help us encounter God. What you can't do, everybody, is just run from one high to one high in your spiritual life. And I know Christians that are like this, and so do you. Where they're always looking for the next mountaintop. Whew, i gotta get, I got to get back on the mountaintop. i got to get back on the mountaintop. Instead of using the mountaintop to develop a faith that's good in the valleys. Okay, The mountaintop is great. Sometimes you need the mountaintop. But you need the mountaintop to help train you so that when you're in the valley, you can experience God and you can actually have a thin heart and a thin head so you can experience God on a daily. You can't live life on a constant pilgrimage to the next spiritual high. That's not how this world works, and that's not how this faith works. What you have to do is you have to get in those thin spaces and learn from them. Train yourself. After all, God is always with you. God isn't any more in a beautiful space than he is in your heart, everybody. He isn't any more in an amazing teacher than he is in your own Bible, in your own house you got to learn how to experience God all the time in all kinds of ways. And here's a couple things I think thin spaces do. Here's, here's why thin spaces work. They, they, they reflect God's glory and attributes. You can see them easily. They remove distractions so you can focus on the place, the moment, and God in the place. They get you out of your own way. So I'm not focused on what I've got to do tomorrow. I'm just in this moment. If you have these thin spaces like that, they come with expectation. If you pilgrimage to the Holy Land, you know what you're doing the whole time? You're expecting to see God. You're expecting to see, to be wowed, and to be awed. Thin spaces give you a desire to understand and feel, to engage heart and head. But everybody, those things that thin spaces do easily, you could do every single day. You don't need a thin space to do all those things, just learn from them focus on the attributes of God think about who Jesus is who God is, what the Trinity is how God works in your life remove distractions you want to experience God where do you have room in your life for God to show up okay if God called you would you get the message okay or are you too busy remove distractions humble yourself Humble yourself. One of the things about thin spaces is, that, is you, you forget yourself. This is what spiritual teachers in the Christian faith have said for years. You want to experience God, you got to get out of your way. Humble yourself. Okay, Give up your own ambitions. What if we honestly prayed like we did earlier? Not my will, but yours. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What if we actually started to get ourselves out of the way? What if God actually is expressing his will to you right now and you're missing it because you're so focused on your own will what if you came to your life with an expectation like you would at a holy place like what if tomorrow you woke up and you said god is going to show up today today jesus is going to do something in my life i wonder what it'll be And you live the whole day with an expectation that god's going to show up i'm willing to bet that god will show up after all he is everywhere so he's with you tomorrow what if you actually came to tomorrow with an expectation that god was going to show up the way you would if you were going to a giant cathedral right or the way you would if you were going to a holy the holy land what if you expected jesus to show up what if you tomorrow decided you were going to engage your heart and your mind you're gonna think about the things of God, you're gonna to try to feel what God calls you to feel, and you're gonna come into tomorrow with the expectation that I'm gonna fully engage in whatever God has for me this day. See, that's the beauty of thin spaces. It's not that, the, it's not that thin spaces are some, somehow magical. They're not actually any closer to God. Nature doesn't actually bring you closer to God. God is everywhere, God is with you, God is you, you the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. God is always with you. But can you recognize it? This is where thin spaces are helpful. Because a thin space can teach you how to recognize what you're experiencing all the time with God in your life. So here's your homework, everybody. I got homework for everybody today. Homework. This week I need you to do some thin spacing. I need you to find a thin space this week. Maybe that means you've got to sit out on your deck and watch the sunset. Maybe that means you've got to go for a walk. Maybe that means you've got to travel and, and see the old homestead and remember, remember where you grew up. But you've got to find somewhere to pilgrimage to, the, pilgrimage to this week. What is your thin space going to be this week? I want you to sketch, I want you to actually put on your calendar thin space, okay, or thin place and say, okay, this this couple hours, this couple hours, I'm going to actually go somewhere that's pretty. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go somewhere that's meaningful for me. Or maybe I'm just going to go in the corner with the TV off and my Bible, and I'm going to spend time. But I'm going to set aside some thin time without distraction. I'm going to read a psalm. I'm going to listen to praise music. I'm going to go for a hike, whatever it is for you. Your homework is to find some thin space. Find some thin space because I talk to so many people who, are go, who go through grief because they lost someone and then they have never trained how to experience God and then when they get in this really thick period of their lives where it's really hard to experience God they're not trained for it your homework this week find some thin space carve out some space go to a place where you can experience God reflect on his attributes on his goodness get yourself out of the way Engage your heart and mind in the experience. I promise you that God will meet you there. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.